We are going to finish up the Thoughts and Prayers series tonight. Um, Here's what's crazy. We started this six weeks ago. Uh, We started with this idea that, very simply, Jesus uh, was teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And so we saw some things. Anything that we remember from the Lord's Prayer at all? Yeah? You know the whole thing? So hold on. I'm talking about like the first couple weeks where it was more than just the Lord's Prayer. What are some things Jesus said about prayer? Wow. We're going to recap. That's why we do reminders. Huh? Surrendering. Yep. That was kind of in the model of the prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Yep. What else? What, before he ever said pray in this way, he said some things about how not to pray. What did he say? Does anybody remember? Okay. Um, Sachin? Don't be like the hypocrites. What did the hypocrites do? Yeah, they wanted to be heard for the many words. Caleb? Don't be prideful. Avery? Yeah, pray in private. Go into your room, close the door, pray to your fathers in secret. Say that again. Don't heap up empty sayings. That's a really good one. Um, and so, so we learned a lot about that. We also kind of popped into another portion of Scripture where um, Jesus was kind of telling the same story but from a different angle. He talked about the neighbor that comes over like at midnight. It's like, I need some bread. I've got these family members coming over. I've got to feed them. And so um, does anybody remember what he taught us in that moment? Right? person keeps knocking and keeps knocking, won't stop knocking. So what did he say? So the neighbor gets up, the friend gets up, opens the door, gives him the bread because of his persistence. And he's talking about prayer in that moment. So he's like, be persistent in prayer. We also talked a little bit about this word revival. Does anybody remember that word? Does anybody? So we talked about revival. We also talked about repentance. What does that word repentance mean? Does anyone remember? It was a change of your... Mind, yeah. A change of your mind. Change of your heart, probably the same. Change of your morale to some degree. We said it's a change of your mind. Literally, the word metanoia in the Greek means changing your mind. And changing your mind so much that you actually change your direction, right? And so we talked about that as well. Last week, who was here? We talked about the seven reasons God might not be answering your prayers. And that surprised a lot of people. But there's plenty of places in Scripture where God says, if this happens in your life, I'm, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. And so if you missed that one, you can go back and, and check that out on YouTube or our podcast. But tonight we're going to finish up, and um, we're going to be talking about uh, boldness. We're going to be talking about boldness. This word boldness for me says how brave, how courageous, how, um, how, how faithful are we that leads us to do some pretty bold things in life. Now, when you think about the prayers in Scripture, um, not just the Lord's Prayer, but think about all the different prayers, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, what are some of the prayers that, that you think of? When you think of people praying in Scripture, what do you think of? That's a big, that's a big question. Anyone got any moment in the Bible where you're like, I remember someone praying, yeah. Jesus, what did he say? He was, because Jesus, fully man and fully God, but was experiencing a little bit of fear there. Yeah, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But what did he say? But your will be done. He surrendered his will. Check that out. It's right there. Yeah, Sachin. Yeah, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Daniel prayed to God a lot. In fact, he was told not to pray to God, and then he still prayed to God. And then he didn't just pray to God. He didn't pray to the idol that he was commanded to pray to. And so um, that was boldness. I would say that was boldness, and that was bravery in the face of literal death. What else? Anybody else? Think about the times people prayed, yeah? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. Did Saul, before he became Paul, pray and ask for humility? Um, I, I know that we see plenty of moments of Paul praying after that salvation moment. Um, and he's, he's a bold guy. We're actually going to talk about Paul tonight a little bit. That's right. That's right. Solomon, in fact, that's where I thought you were going because you said Saul. But Solomon um, says, whatever, God says, whatever you want to ask for, ask for it. And what does he ask for? Wisdom so I can govern your people well. And then God says, I'm, because you didn't ask for stuff and money and power and all this kind of stuff, I'm going to give you the, the wisdom and I'm going to give you all this other stuff because you're going to know how to handle it well. So, and that really connected. Why did, why did God give him all those things? Because his heart was surrendered to God. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? So we talk about surrendering your will, which we're afraid to do. But, but Jesus, like the, the law of Jesus is if you want to be exalted, you have to bring yourself low. If you want to find your life, you've got to lose your life, right? There's this kind of like upside down way that Jesus works. Yeah, one more. Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe we talked about, did we talk about Esther Sunday, I believe? So yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Lots of prayers in scripture. Now here's what I, here's what I think, okay? Um, sometimes when I think about the prayers that we pray, I think that the, we probably, the average Christian is probably doing a lot of like, help me, bless me, protect me, right? Bless his food. Like, bless this pizza in front of me. Like, my goodness gracious, what are we doing, right? Uh, protect me. Give me traveling mercies, God, right? We, we kind of pray, like, what, what's, what, what, are you, what are you praying in, in the middle of school? God, I didn't study for this test. I didn't even realize there was a test today. Please don't let me flunk this test because my parents are going to murder me. Um, you know, I don't know if that's one of your prayers. God, I'm going to ask this girl on a date. Please don't let her say no because that would be embarrassing, Right? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Some of you are like, yeah, so we don't need to talk about it, but yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah. So um, I think a lot of our prayers don't look like the prayers in Scripture. Isn't that kind of crazy? Isn't that kind of crazy? And maybe it's because we have it so good in America, they don't want, we don't have kind of this like feeling that we really truly need God. Like, what does Jesus say? That we need, we need the Word of God more than we need food. Right? We, need, we need God's power. We need God's salvation more than we need our next breath. And so, so I, I, want, I want us to take kind of a deep dive into um, Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at Acts chapter 4 tonight because we're going to see Peter and John. This is right after. Okay, so this is, um, let, me, let me actually set, set it up. Acts chapter 4 is two chapters after, after Acts chapter 2. What happened in Acts chapter 2? It's big. It's like a big moment in Scripture. Yes. 
Does anybody know the word? We celebrate this every year. It's like in May. Pentecost, yes. Yes. So, uh, did what? Oh, did you like whisper it under your breath? You're like, Pentecost. <laughs> like I didn't hear it. But congratulations, you got it right too. So Pentecost, yeah, Pentecost is the moment where the church was born. Now, let me just make sure. This is one of those moments that I love to teach you guys something just very black and white about the scripture, okay? The church wasn't really born until like the New Testament, right? Like almost halfway through the New Testament. We got all the way through the God. The church wasn't even born while Jesus was here. The church was born after Jesus died, resurrected, ascended back up to heaven. And do you remember what he told the disciples? Right? He I was reading this this morning. He was talking to Peter. He was talking well, he's talking to his disciples about how he needs to die, he needs to go back up to his heavenly father, and then he's gonna send this helper. And what does Peter do? We love Peter, man. He's kind of a redneck. He's like, No, you don't, Jesus. And he's like, That's not something you say. You don't ever do that, right? In fact, I believe he says, no, Lord. It's like, no, master, you're not going to do that. He's like, well, actually, I'm the master. I will actually do the deciding here. And, uh, and if I don't go back up to heaven, then I can't send the helper. Who's the helper? Nope, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not the, the help. I mean, he helped us. But the helper is what's uh, we, we describing the Holy Spirit there. And so Jesus ascends back up to heaven, right? And then he says, right, go hang out in the upper room and just wait. Be unified and be in prayer. Let me pause right there for just a second. All eyes on me, just a second. Jesus, after he ascended back up to heaven, he said, I don't want you to pass out flyers. I don't want you to post out like ads on Instagram. I don't want you to go tell everybody. I just want you to go be in prayer together in unity. And then what happens? In the midst of that, Jesus comes and fills the room. It's, it's, it sounds like a mighty rushing wind. It says that like his presence filled up the room and tongues of fire fell on each person. They began to speak in tongues there. And that's when the Holy Spirit like entered their hearts and sent them out to go launch the church. The church was born in Acts chapter 2. And then out of that, craziness started happening, right? Like spiritual power like you've never heard about before. And I think it was because, if you think about it, when's the last time that you said, man, we need to make a difference, so we're just going to go pray. We need to, we need to really impact our community, so what we're going we're gonna to pray. No, you would say, well, we're going to impact our community, so we're going to get out there, we're going to do service projects. That's great. That's not what Jesus said. We need to impact our community, so we're going to go like evangelize everyone. Yep, there's a place for that, but is that what Jesus told them to do in that moment? It's not. It's not. Out of, out of that moment of prayer and unity, what does that word unity mean? This matters. Yep, you used the word to define the word. Let's... Sticking together. What else? Sorry, did Eli just define it and I didn't hear it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um... What is unity? What does unity look like, feel like in the church? Does it look like never fighting? (laughs) There's going to be conflict, probably, but when you have conflict, you deal with it in a a calm and patient way with each other, right? Because you're not going to not have conflict. But unity, 
Do you, have, you, have to, you have to choose, you have to wake up choosing unity, right? Because when someone, um, when someone does something to hurt you, what does unity look like? You fighting to reconcile that relationship. You scratching and clawing against, against the grain of the current to, to go after that relationship, right? Unity was the, the foundation, was the DNA of the church being born. It's incredible. It's incredible. Is prayer powerful? That is like one of the simplest answers. This is not a trick question. Is prayer powerful? A hundred percent. Now, give me some reasons we have said prayer is powerful for the last six weeks. Hmm. Give me some reasons you think. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, in Kentucky. Absolutely. Absolutely. Started with prayer. In fact, started with just a few students staying back to pray after service. And then thousands and ten thousands and hundred thousands in our country and in our world impacted because a few students. Is that not getting a hold of you right now? Like a couple people being faithful. Now, this is not me baiting you to be like, hey, when he dismisses, a couple of us are going to come and stay after because we want Mark to be proud of us. No, that's not what I'm after. I'm saying like, when it's time for you to be like devoted to the Lord, will you be devoted to the Lord? Will you let him interrupt you? Will you? And then when it comes time for you to be united with other believers, will you be united? Or will you choose disunity? Will you choose um, ugliness? Will you choose... Um, kind of just being rude to each other? Will you choose backbiting? Will you choose gossip? Will you choose any of those things? Those are all enemies of unity. So out of all of this, thousands and thousands and thousands of people are coming to faith in Jesus. Now in Acts chapter 4, we're going to look at uh, 13 verses here. And um, this is an incredible moment. We're gonna, I'm going to read kind of like four different sections. Verses 1 through 4, they start out this way. As they were speaking, this is like the, the apostles, right? This is after Pentecost. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. These are like the religious leaders of the day. These were not big fans of the disciples, the apostles, those guys, the, the Jesus people. They're anti-Jesus at this moment. Greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. The Sadducees, the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection from the dead. Right? So they adamantly disagreed. You're wondering, like, how is it that Jesus was dead? Like, dead, dead? Like, crucified dead? And then three days later, opens the tomb and walks out. And they're like, they're crazy. It's right there in front of you. He resurrected from the dead. The Sadducees were like, no, it's trickery. It's, it's witchcraft. It's magic. It's something else. It's fake. It's, it's not true. There is no resurrection from the dead. Okay? So... And they arrested them, right, for teaching, for preaching, and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So 5,000 people got saved. Verse 5. Here's where it turns. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of high priestly family, right, religious leaders, they, um, they had set them in the midst. They inquired, by what power or what name do you do this? And then Peter, guys, is going to preach a sermon which could have gotten him murdered. Just very clearly, could have gotten him murdered. Remember, he is talking 
to the people who crucified Jesus. Okay, so here's what he says. Not, this is not like uh, weakness. This is not like, oh, I don't want to offend you. So, like, so here's the deal. Jesus like, loves us all, and I know that you... He didn't do that, right? He's very bold. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, I love this, not with just inner confidence, not with like, I feel good, I've got a million followers, so like I'm really strong right now. No, like filled with the Holy Spirit said, rulers of the people and elders. If we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, Right? With, by what, you know, he's been healed. By what means this man has been healed? Verse 10. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, so what power, what name are you doing this? By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. You don't believe in resurrection? God raised him from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which, by which we must be saved. And then, this is the whole thing we're talking about tonight. Okay, We're going to leave this verse on the screen for a little while. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognize that they had been with Jesus. That's, that shakes me up. Because I want to know if there's anyone that sees me walking around HEB, sees me walking around the park, sees me walking around in my neighborhood, and it's like, oh man, there's something different about this guy. There's something different about this guy. He's obviously been with Jesus. If I walk around the church and people are like, oh man, I want to get around... Mark, I want to get, I want to, because he's obviously been with Jesus. Like, have you ever thought about like what your reputation is, what, what people know you for? And I think even then, like you've got this boldness. What was uh, Peter filled with? Filled with the Holy Spirit, right? He's out there doing these bold acts, these bold miracles. He's preaching to a group of people. May perceive they were uneducated common men. I think that's great. You know why I think that's great? Because that means all of us are, are, are available to do something special here. You know what that means? That means that you don't have to have some pedigree or some high education to make a difference for the kingdom. Now, quite honestly, here's what I believe. Just going to say it as clearly as this. When you look at the revival in Kentucky, when you look at revivals all through history, do you know where they start? Not in the senior citizens. Not with the adults that take everything seriously. You know where it starts? With a group of students. A lot of times it's college students, right? It's people that are like so devoted to the Lord that they will give up anything. Sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you, adults are a little too cemented in our ways. And sometimes we don't, um, what's the word? We don't pop out of our routines very easily. And so we're like, routine, 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 routine. I guarantee you, all the adults in the room wake up with just kind of this, this has got a, you know, we just got this to-do list and we got this thing. And as teenagers sometimes, you guys, I just, I just see it in you. I remember what it was like to be a teenager. There's this just like, God, hey, if you're real, let's do something crazy here. Let's make a big difference here. And there's something that gets beaten out of the lives of adults Right, this like seeking out adventure and seeking out God in a special way. I think we do. I try my best, but every revival in history has really started with a group of young people. And you know what's special? It's not like they were highly educated 
and they had a doctorate. Now, let me actually show you what the Greek says. This is great. Okay, two words we're going to learn tonight, um, and these words always help me. First word uh, is the word for common or ordinary, is agramatos. Can you say it with me? Agramatos. Uh, that sounded like, like you got like chubby bunny going on. Um, agramatos means ordinary. And you're like, okay, cool, agramatos, learn a new word. Let me show you the next word. This is untrained. Idiotes. Hmm. I wonder where that, I wonder how that translates to English. Idiotes, guys. Idiotes. Now, yeah, I think this word, to me, reminds me a lot of um, the word ignorant in English. So if I walk up to you, I'm like, you're so ignorant. Are your feelings hurt a little bit? Some of you don't know. Some of you are like, yeah, we're going to throw hands, right? Yeah, you call me ignorant. So the word ignorant probably has a bad connotation. But the truth is, ignorant, what does ignorant mean? It means you just don't, you just don't know yet. You haven't been exposed to the information yet. There's times I try, I try to like, I try to be very careful how I say this, but there's times I look at you, I'm like, listen, you're teenagers, there's no way you can know the things that a 40-year-old knows yet. And you know what? When I was your age, I hated hearing that. Sometimes 60-year-olds look at me and they're like, you have no clue, bro. And I'm like, oh, uh, I'm, I know a lot, okay? You know, and no one likes to be told they don't know. But it's not like you're stupid. It's just saying you hadn't got there yet, right? You're untrained. You haven't walked through that season yet. And here's what I love about that. Untrained? Untrained? That means anyone can walk into this kingdom that's at hand and be used by Jesus. Anyone. Anyone. So some of you are just like, man, I don't know. Like, I'm not bold. I'm not, I don't know the Bible very well. I'm not, I'm not, I don't like public speaking. I get real nervous when I talk to strangers. And so we start precluding ourselves left and right from being used by God. Can I just ask you the biggest favor? Because I just want to make sure this is landing clearly. Can we all just make sure that our posture, that we're all sitting up? Because I really hope you, this, this lands well. Can we make sure that phones are put away and all AirPods are gone? Some of you are like, who's he talking about? I'm talking to the whole crew because I don't want you to miss this. Anyone in this room can be used by God to light a fire that ignites a community for the gospel. Anyone. Me, you. I would love to see a generation of students actually see their potential to make a difference in the community. Because here's, let me just tell you, I have nothing but regrets about my middle school and high school years. My middle school and high school years were spent blending in, not making waves, not like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt. I don't, I, I want to get unpopular. I don't want to get, you know, the word canceled wasn't around back then, but I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with all that. I want to lose popularity. I don't want to lose status. I don't want to, I don't want to get hurt. And so for so many of my years, if you would have asked my friends, what they thought about my faith, they would say, his what? And I want to ask, like, what would they say about you? What would your friends say about you? 
What did your classmates, what did your family members say about you? Now, some of you aren't Christians yet. And by the way, you're always welcome here. Always Even if you never make a decision to become a Christian, you are always welcome here. But lean in, Christians, for just a moment. Untrained, trained, special, you're extrovert, an introvert, it doesn't matter. You like know the Bible, don't know the Bible, it doesn't matter. God is calling every single Christ follower to be someone who is a light, right? Matthew 5, 13 says, let your light shine so that, do you remember the second part of that verse? So that people will see and will give glory to your Father in heaven. But we don't do that. We're like, oh, no, like my faith is like a private thing. It's just kind of a me and God thing. Like, I don't know if you know what culture is like in 2023, but you're not supposed to tell people how to believe. I'm not asking you to tell people how to believe. I'm just asking you to share what you believe, to be real about it. If, you, um, if you've been around our church for very long, you understand that we want to expose you guys to missions opportunities Sometimes missions opportunities are just serving. So this last Christmas, we took a bunch of high schoolers to um, Starve Hope, and we served food to a, a group of uh, uh, women who were who in a shelter. That was great. It's just as simple as, like, serving food, right? That's awesome. If you've been around, we, uh, we just started this last Sunday with our Easter baskets that we're going to give to our families at Second Mile so that kids can have an Easter basket with a little bit of candy, a little bit of clothes, a little bit of toy, but also a little discipleship tool. Right? That's, that's missions. And so if you're in middle school and you go to Camp Rush, we'll talk about missions. But then if you're in high school, we go to Rush Week and we're like out there serving the community. We're like out there sharing the gospel. Some of us got a power washer, but some of us are out like knocking on doors and saying, hey, there's a church around the corner. We'd love to invite you. Right? Some of you, it's like, that's really nerve-wracking. Right? And I get it. And we, we take little steps to, to kind of give you guys a chance. So I'll tell you, like, next week, right, this coming Saturday, we're taking a group of 10th through 12th graders to go to New York City to work with a church plant. Right? This is like high-level missions. I don't just take any student that wants to go. Right? It's high-level missions. We're going to go work with a church planner who's asking us very clearly, I need you guys to get out of your comfort zone and, and talk to people about Jesus. And it's like, whew, all right. This is no longer just like, hey, give me a power washer and just get out of my way and just let me, like, I don't have to talk to anybody. Like, and it's, listen, it's good. It's a good service project. You're helping out of school. But I'm talking like, get out of your comfort zone and say like, God, listen, I don't know what you want to do today, but I'm just going to make myself available. And we do those things so that you can learn that we ought to be doing those things here as well. How many of you know at least one person that doesn't know Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You might have even already been thinking about that person as I'm just sitting here talking. Right? And it makes me wonder if we're going to be bold. So I want to ask you a couple questions. Two gut check questions. On a scale of 1 to 10, how amazed or astonished, the verse says, are people by your boldness? Don't answer. Don't throw up like fingers. You know, just in your own heart. It's just kind of a little self-inventory. No judgment. 
I want to encourage us. I want to, I want to push us forward a little bit. I want you to see scripture, okay? Not because I'm up here talking and I'm trying to change your mind. I want you to see God's heart for you. Does that make sense? Can y'all chill right here? So I'm trying to get us to focus. Thank you. Question number two. If you ask God for boldness and God gave you an opportunity to be bold, would you be obedient? I thought, I thought about making that question, are you willing to ask God for boldness? But I kind of wanted to take it a step further. Would you even be obedient if God answered that prayer? God, I want you to give me a chance to be bold. I want you to lock eyes with me right now. Would you be obedient? Would you be obedient? Would you run from the opportunity? Even though, right, untrained, none special. None of us need some sort of like special, you know, like for you to just go say like, hey, can I just, can I just share what I believe with you? Can I invite you to church? Some of you need to take your boldness just in a personal sense. Like, so when we do the baptism service, some of you are like, yeah, man, I just, I, I've been needing to get baptized for a long time. I just kind of putting it on the back burner. Some of you are like, hey, listen, I've been kind of struggling, you know, but I, need, I do need to take a step of obedience. If God gave you the opportunity to be bold, would you be obedient and just step into it? I need you to understand. I sometimes am not bold too. So this isn't like me, like who's perfect, teaching you who always get it wrong how to be bold. I naturally am not bold. But you know when I read scripture? When I read scripture, I see a bunch of people who were just like, hey, just whatever you want to do, we're here. So here's what I, w- I would love to do. Can, the, can I get the band to come up? We're going to end not just this night, but we're going to end this series the same way that we started it. With, with prayer. We're just going to practice prayer. And uh, before I ask you to do anything, okay, because in just a moment, they're going to play. I'm going to invite you guys in just a moment to stand up and then come down here if you choose to. I'm not making you do anything. Some of you are not like not even Christians yet. And you're like, I don't know about this whole thing. That's okay. You take your time. But some of you, the Holy Spirit's kind of nudging at your heart and saying, yeah, it's, it's time for me to be not just bold, but be obedient when God gives me an opportunity to be bold, right? Because it's all good to be in here and be like, oh, I'm going to be bold. Next time I have an opportunity to like invite someone to church, I'm going to be bold, right? And, 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 you know, make a decision to follow Christ in a practical way when the whole culture is going this other way, right? I'm going to be bold and I'm going to stand up for the things that Jesus stands up for, right? I'm going to love the things that Jesus loves. I'm going to hate the things that Jesus hates, That's boldness. It is bold to do that in this culture. I get it. It might cost you some friends. I get it. It's cost me some friends too. It might cost you some popularity. I get it. It cost me some popularity too. I know what it's like to have an individual. I will never forget this. Okay, 40 years old. I remember walking through my high school hallway, walking to my locker, and having one particular person yell just the worst obscenities at me in front of hundreds of students and just have to walk in that because I had, I had made a decision to just be kind of public about my faith one time. I know what that's like. Did it feel good? No. Did I feel bold in that moment? 
I didn't. I felt embarrassed. It's not always going to be perfect. In fact, it's probably going to hurt at times. The disciples went through pain at times. I mean, they got arrested. They got put in jail. Right? Sometimes they would go to towns to go evangelize and they would get like kicked out of town. Or they would try to murder them, but they ran away. So, so hear me. I understand the pain involved with boldness for your faith. I don't know that anyone's going to try to stone you. I don't know that anyone's going to try to run you out of town. But it might cost you something. Some of you, it's time to step up. So I want to invite you to stand. You're going to do one of two things. You're going to stay put. Totally okay. Or you're going to come grab some space here. The band will just kind of play lightly, and then we'll, uh, then we'll, we'll I'll pray over you guys, and then uh, we'll sing one last song. If you are not ready, but you just need to do some thinking, that's okay. If you're not ready, and maybe you just need to talk it out with a leader, we've got some leaders that would love to talk to you, myself included. But right now, if you'd like, come grab some space, and we'll just kneel, and we'll pray. you to ask one thing. For sure, we start our prayers with declaring God's greatness, with surrendering our will, but I just, when it comes to the asking, I want you just to ask one thing. God, would you challenge me to be obedient when I have an opportunity to be bold? It's your time. Go ahead and pray. where we start to get a little lazy, a little tired of school, a little tired of all the homework and all the discipline. We kind of just want to rush to summer. But Lord, I pray that we wouldn't rush to um, give up our faith. I pray that we wouldn't rush to just numb ourselves with um, Netflix and Spotify and things like that instead of spending intentional time in prayer and in your word. Most of all, I pray that we wouldn't just let go of the fact that you might be calling us this week to have a gospel conversation with a friend in school. So Lord, I pray boldness. I, I'm reminded of, of Paul's words at the end of the Ephesian letter um, that he just says, he's pray for me that I would be boldly proclaim the name of Jesus. And I pray that we would have that same prayer. If the apostle Paul is asking for prayer, in Ephesians. Lord, we need to ask for that prayer as well. So Lord, all of us, we're asking for boldness. 
and want to take that step of obedience. Lord, I pray that you would be with every single student, that you would work in every single student's life individually. Every different student here coming from all different walks of life, coming from all different backgrounds. Lord, but we want to find ourselves under your lordship and we want you to use us. We want you to send us. Lord, I pray that these students would be bold and that when it's time to step up, that they would be obedient in that boldness. Well, some of these students need to be bold with just taking a step of obedience into baptism. Some of these students need to take a step of obedience just to um, not go along with um, the cultural things. Some of these students need to decide to not go along with, with all the gossip that goes on in school, just to not participate in it. Some of these students need to have the boldness to not participate in sinful activity in their friend group. Some of these students might actually be challenged to step up and say something against the grain of this culture. Lord, your word says that your Holy Spirit will give us the words to say in the hour that we're to say them. Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness. Right down to all the leaders, all the students, give us boldness. And we submit to you.